Hello everyone, welcome to Disruption Works Chit Chat, talking about chatbots, voice development, and how technology can help overcome challenges and be deployed in your organization. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Disruption Works Chit Chat, and I have a guest today, uh, David Gadd from Vertical Plus. Hi, David. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, enjoying the summer weather. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) it's it's properly, properly, um, you know, when the sun comes out, it's got some power in it now, and it's uh, so it's good. Uh, yeah. I know I got I got a little bit sunburnt over the weekend. I have to admit, you know, so it's like, oh, oh okay, well, got you'll, you'll see it on the podcast, but yeah, it's these. No, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, thanks for joining us today on the um, uh, on the podcast. Uh, the the kind of the reason that I uh, invited you on uh, to 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 talk about uh, Vertical Plus was. Uh, you know, we're called Disruption Works, and part of our, um, you know, our interest is in disruptive technologies or how people are disruptive in the way they approach things. And uh, you know, I feel that your uh, the way that you approach e-commerce is very disruptive, and and it's quite different than anything else that I've um, I've come across uh, in the way that you do that. Um, so really, I kind of want to have a quick chat with you about it and um, kind of see. You know how's that, how it works, really. You know, if uh, if I want to kind of come along and, and use your stuff, uh, give us a little rundown of of what you do. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's fine. And as I think we talked before, didn't we? That we don't want this just to be one great big vertical plus sales pitch. Just generally. No, absolutely. But it, it's good to introduce what you do. You know, so yeah. people get yeah. an idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great. So um, yeah. Um, well, thanks very much for that and giving me the opportunity to see. It. I do believe we're disrupted. Uh, that there aren't many companies that work like us. You know, we're obviously a you know we're ultimately a software company, uh, a business growth company, and a marketing company. All, all sort of three at the same time. And yeah. depending on who we work with, uh, some some bits of that are more say disruptive than others. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of you know we've always pitched ourselves. You know, I suppose from my point of view, I wanted to create sort of web solutions that were affordable um, yeah. but for good ideas so you know if you've got a really great idea and you think something's going to really in itself be disruptive but you might be facing web development bills of 20 30 40 50 000, yeah uh, then we like to think that we provide people with good ideas and a good business model and a good way forward with say our own investment to sort of invest our developers and marketing people in the idea so in that in that way we're disruptive, um, yeah, because we are taking quite a big risk on ourselves, yeah, uh, in terms of the people that we take on. So what? So the way I understand it is that you kind of manage the whole e-commerce side of things for a business without them having to invest in uh, upfront costs and and stuff like that, providing you can see a partnership in the way that um, you know you can work with that particular business. Yeah, that, that's right. We do. I mean, we I hate to say we don't have an upfront cost because we we started off like that and yeah. then we had lots of run out on us. So we asked for like a small deposit so that they've got something to lose. And that's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, once the deposit's over, then we then have yeah the whole lifetime yeah. with the client is that we kind of you know we 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 bulk most of the investment 
our clients do contribute towards small amounts. So, for example, AdWords advertising, uh, yeah. Facebook advertising, that kind of stuff. They contribute you know, where the costs of advertising costs are large, but certainly all the all the web development and all the content creation and the marketing is all done in house. Yeah. So that includes things like SEO as well, I suppose. And, and yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, we take a I wouldn't say a controlling angle, but we you know we take a we take an angle where we try and do as much as possible because then we've got stuff within our realm because we've yeah. taken risk. So we try and uh, encourage them to use our content and our content writers or our marketing people and encourage them to use context that we've got to to, to do the right kind of marketing, invest in the right kind of areas because we obviously we've got the context of lots and lots of clients growing and we can see what yeah. works and, and what doesn't. Um, you know, so as a business, as a business model, it's it's an interesting one. You know, I mean, we've been running it now for ten years. We've seen some good growth. Uh, you know, yeah. we have our we have our successes, we have our failures, and we have our people in the middle. You know, and it's kind of uh, we have far more successes yeah. than failures. Um, <laughs> well, that's always good to know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. And, and I think when you run a business like this, because I did, you know, I was in uh, Exeter at the sort of um, uh, an event up in Exeter where I was asked how do you manage something like performance marketing so that the performance marketing company doesn't end up being completely knackered with what it does for people for yeah. almost nothing yeah so you you have to be really good at your data you have to really be good at knowing what works and right. then sort of forcing a situation where you're going for stuff that works that's got a you know a, a very proven ROI yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think from our point of view, I like to think that we're kind of quite good at knowing what works because we put our life on the line. You know, we, we yeah. don't we don't off, we don't charge someone 500 quid. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. We but there's charge. an advantage in that to the business that you're working with, uh, you know, and, it, and it, you know, the whole thing here and everything that I know about you guys is that you're working in a true partnership here. So, you know, from a business perspective, you can then steer because you have the data and you can see what's going on in the market. You can see trends that are, are, are coming up. You can steer product development um, to to help that business grow a product that's going to fly um, rather than trying to um, trying to you know uh, just peddle something that's just isn't going to sell really you know and I think that's that's the thing that I thought was really interesting is that that true partnership really helps from the core of the business yeah yeah that's right yeah and you know we have to manage people's expectations some people are more, far yeah. more enthusiastic about their business idea than we are and sometimes we're more enthusiastic than they are so it is again it's, <laughs> it is a bit like a business relationship you know um i mean many years ago i wouldn't mention names or whatever we we would you know we were approached to sell all sorts of preposterous kind of things that, that business owners genuinely kind of believed in and they yeah. were ultimately unsellable almost yeah. Um, yeah. so you know but we try and maintain a positive air and listen to people's ideas and try and come back with solutions and proposals but we do turn down uh, more websites than we take on because right. we don't want to take people on and, and see it fail. We have to see some kind of viable way forward, even for our costing. So, in that way, we're you know we like to think of ourselves as quite an ethical business in the way that we kind of operate. Um, people get upset, you know. That I think they had big dreams and things didn't work out the way they wanted to, and sometimes they can blame us. You know, we yeah. like to think. It might be the it might be the partially that's to blame, but you, know, you have all sorts of things that can go wrong with the business and with products and with 
pricing and competitors that yeah yeah like things not really but I think it's you know I, you know in any of those things if you're in the middle of that stuff and you you've you've decided to take that punt on on being that uh, full performance marketed uh, business you know there's a lot of transparency in that relationship because there has to be you know yeah. so somebody's getting there as eyes open if it's not quite working out then this it's quite clear why it isn't usually I would have thought you know yeah. so do you have to be a grown up and the and the way that that works really yeah. you know. One thing that was because um, uh, we we did speak a little while ago, and one thing that was uh, an interesting conversation we had a very brief conversation about was um, kind of battling the Amazon effect. You know that um, you know the first point of call now for a lot of search um, for products is via Amazon rather than on Google, and um, uh, and it's that's that's got to affect e-commerce now. Um, but they they obviously have it right. You know they own the whole supply chain uh, mechanism things like that how do how do businesses now in e-commerce battle that kind of scenario what's 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 the things the tips that you could give well i think you know like something like amazon i mean they're very good at what they do and if you've yeah. got the right product line then that's really good to sell it on amazon because it's the biggest market for e-commerce so you know you you need to be on amazon the, yeah. the the issue is, and so I don't want Amazon come at me, but <laughs> can be a tendency or, or not, depending on your approach. Um, but you know, it's a bit of a race to the bottom. You know, you, like you might operate on very low margins, yeah. with other companies also operating on very low margins, including Amazon, and you'll find yourself in a situation where you need to have a very good relationship with suppliers, uh, so that you've perhaps got a better price than Amazon yeah. itself or, or as good a price. But the main thing is it's so price sensitive that once you're the, you're the cheapest price, you can sell many, many hundreds of the products. Unfortunately, you might only be making a penny a product and asking yeah. yourself whether it's worth it. Um, so you know, to sustain that, we kind of think, you know, get diversity. You know, we, we yeah. come across, we've had new clients that are just on Amazon and they do very well. Um, yeah. And we try and encourage them to go multi-channel to also be on other platforms such as eBay and Etsy but then also we kind of think their website is their ultimate best end resource because it's it's where really they it's their customers and see when when you sell stuff on Amazon Amazon see their customers as their customers that are actually using your store so why don't you go and just buy this off these people then come back and buy stuff off us whereas when my people buy stuff off your website they're buying off you and the relationship with you rather than Amazon um so not many people actually realize they think they're buying from amazon and not actually from you even though you're fulfilling so your business value that you get from that transaction is is much much lower than the value you get from a direct website sale yeah Um, Yeah. so our advice really is diversify but also to put stuff into your own website so that you can build up that as a business and as a ranking and as a operation then on Amazon itself, we have taken on clients before, as I said, that's done. They do many, many thousands of pounds a month on eBay, yeah. Amazon, um, and you know the big job with them has been setting up the website, doing some stock integrations, and then trying to get their website as a as a sort of marketing entity. And I think um, you know because of the margins, really, but also the risk that say we've had Amazon will sometimes stop customers for all sorts of reasons you know that maybe you, you get a bad review and suddenly everything's off uh, so or, right. or you can yeah. lose you can lose traction on amazon and in the same way as you can lose traction on ebay whereas on the website 
no one's stopping no one's stopping you no no you've got that autonomy haven't you and and one thing that we discussed before and uh, which was a very interesting thing is that you know a lot of um, businesses that are selling online they do have an amazon similar service so it is you know no quibble returns it's it is you know easy to get delivered collect a, a return and all that type of stuff but it doesn't seem as though it's promoted as well as it should be you know so you don't get that visibility or the the security or the the, the knowledge that that's that that's happening you know and and that was something that I, I thought was a good tip to kind of put that front and center yeah i, I think that's that's probably one of the big things that you know, when we look at a website which isn't done by ourselves yeah actually we have this concept of key benefits so it's a little bit like are the key benefits of the business being presented to the customer at the point of sale yeah and a lot of people hide their refund policy or their delivery rates yeah in, in somewhere like the about us page or the delivery page yeah and then you know but they are so important in in people's head is that can i get it click and collected can i have it delivered what if i don't like it how do i send it back yeah so that's the sort of thing that people have lots of questions about and sometimes it's extremely hard to find that information and then yeah. there's also a tendency to be protective is that businesses kind of think i don't really want it. it is my refund policy but i don't really want people to know it as if it might protect them in the future from some refund thing whereas actually you get a lot more customers from having a good refund policy than you would have by saving money by people submitting refunds. I mean, refunds are very, a relatively low thing to do. Not many people undertake refunds, but I don't know yeah. if you know, but it actually varies quite a lot across Europe. So right. I've heard that apparently the the Germans are the most keen on refunds. Then oh, <laughs> right, okay. The whole of Europe, you know, <laughs> and it's almost a refund culture there. That's like a click and collect refund culture is that, you know, they have far more refund collection points than all the rest of it. And there's almost a, it's almost given and said that when you order something on a website, you're trying it out. And if you don't, uh, see. Send it back. whereas in the UK, there's a bit like you're committing to it, but you'd only send it back if you genuinely don't like it. So it does vary across different European countries and they've got different resources for uh, refunds. But, yeah. you know, I mean, clothing's obviously the biggest uh, refund. Yeah, well, that's going to be, isn't it? And I think that's always the hardest one to sell online for the simple reason that you've, you know, you're not quite sure it's going to be. And that's why I think we've, we've still got high street clothing stores in, in droves still available to us because that is a, it's a difficult sell. You know, it is, you know, there's yeah. always that touch and go in this. And that's one of those items that people buy, you know, four of and then they send the other three back you know type of thing as well mm. so those things have got to be a big deal as well i suppose yeah i think and, that's the thing. i mean with the with the covid pandemic it's, it's one of the things that's really changed is most of your high street stores have now got a fully sort of omni-channel strategy so that the website yeah. integrates with the store and you can click and collect or you can order online and you can organize yeah. your returns I think you'd probably be staggered in the amount of major online retailers that didn't have that sussed before yeah. the pandemic. And I think that's one of the, maybe the positive or negative things about the pandemic is that um, those businesses have now got their act sorted out. Yeah. And the, the, other, the other interesting thing is, again, on that basis of click and collect, and is that those businesses that have thrived, I, I had a spreadsheet many years ago where I tried to demonstrate what businesses need to do now this is before the pandemic and when only say 10 percent of people were using e-commerce yeah. as you found the businesses that thrived 
were those that embraced the sort of e-commerce thing early. There yeah. were many that feared it and tried to pretend it would go away and wouldn't develop online presences. And they have lot by and large kind of gone bust. Some yeah. of them have caught up, you know, because they were big enough to catch up. You yeah. would argue, you know, the, the sort of ones that have gone bust are the ones that haven't dealt well with say an online environment where you can get a product and see 33 other people selling it and see the price they get it at and how long yeah. it's going to, to be delivered. You know, they, they, they've thrived really on 300% margins and people walking in the store paying a stupid amount for something that online you can get 10% of the price. Yeah. And they're the businesses that have kind of fallen on the way line because they don't really have anywhere to go in a certain environment where all their products are up for sale against everybody else. Um, so... You know, it's, in, it's interesting times, but if you look at some of the failures, you know, I think Debenhams recently failed, haven't they? And, yeah. And, and and various others that they do rely upon you know, the large department store, high margins kind of scenario has been a very tricky trading environment for them. Um, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really appeal in the same way to the uh, that generation that is. Um, uh really focused around i want this stuff now um don't want to do that human interaction nearly as much as they used to and stuff like that you know i think we've probably got a bit of a lag on that uh post covid as well where people just don't want to be um you know they're a bit afraid of kind of engaging with people as much so the high street's got a hell of a way to recover from that you know whereas e-commerce is too easy to do I mean, I think there's, there's a bit of luck there because, you know, the new millennials coming through are, are as internet savvy as, you know, the consumers are. So they're driving a new wave of internet savvy informed consumers that spend all their time on their mobile phone, buying everything, doing price checks, checking reviews, yeah. going on social media, sharing products. You know, that, that that's the kind of new wave of online retail that was all a bit of a mystery. Yeah. 10 years ago. And, you know, I think there's a lot of you know there are a lot of millennials out there now that are very highly sophisticated in what they do and with their online marketing and their social media engagement um so you know it, it, things have changed a lot um you know we, yeah. we in in doing that we've tried to find our niche and maintain our competitiveness as a business um and just you know obviously with us it's all about managing large inventories and getting products onto websites and and things like that um, yeah. most of our customers you know there is there are click and collect options but we don't live in that kind of world um but it's interesting you know talking about amazon was it because they recently had a sort of um poor share price valuation didn't they? i think that their worst quarter for, oh okay right now i didn't know that yeah well i think you know and again there's been a lot of unraveling on that because i think a lot of e-commerce companies have been on that shopify and others yeah. that have done so well in the pandemic with you know stores being shut that suddenly now they've reopened They've had disappointing first quarters, right? In January to March quarter. It's really been the first quarter of a genuine non-lockdown. Yeah, that's right. With people genuinely heading back to the high street, and probably where it is now is where where we are. Say, you know, two years on, um, there's not that fear out there anymore of going into stores. No, not as much. No, yeah. um, but I suppose that then is a um, yeah. So now you've all the kind of uh, bizarre trends that happened over the pandemic period where you had massive spikes and stuff like that is starting to normalize now really you know so you're you're, you're in a real trading environment like you're saying now uh, coming out the other side where e-commerce is where it is and your high street is yeah. where it is pretty much and 
you know, we're back to more of a status quo in that relationship between the two, I suppose. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone who was going to go bust has gone bust because yeah. of the pandemic. And now the people who haven't gone bust are those that have a pretty good yeah. sort of, um, you know, online presence or, or strategy for how yeah. they can sell and how they can compete. Um, and, you know, some exceptional winners in the pandemic are now getting less than really trading. Nonetheless, still, there is, a, there is a thing that, you know, the industry has moved on know, five years into the future. In, yeah. in a really short amount of time because of people having to embrace e-commerce because I mean I just go back a, even just a couple of years ago there were still people wondering whether they should do it we, we were working with clients that regretted not doing it before the pandemic because they found they had nowhere to go and yeah. now they, I think everybody accepts at least that they need to have a fully working operational and profitable online store as part of their internet offering if they are in retail yeah so, yeah um, you know, and then it's all about kind of what can they put together. You know, we, 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 it seems it is interesting times for us. You know, we are we are looking. You know, not not a bit of a business pitch. You know, I said a week ago. We genuinely, you know, this year we we are looking for good entrepreneurs, people that want to grow quickly yeah. with us on a performance based model. And it's kind of really for us. We are looking. You know, we're out there actively looking people with with you know with big ambitions and, and yeah, yeah that we want to sort of back you know uh, i think i used the I, word assessment, but i was told not to say that by said, what was that i missed that well that we see ourselves as a bit of an investment company you know we would invest uh, a lot of money yeah. in good ideas and we are we, but we don't actually you know we invest time money resource hosting yeah. and the rest of it on, on, on the basis of sales so yeah you know we are we like to think we are a good partner to work with if you if you think big and you've got a good idea uh, and you know i mean we, we had a call this morning from someone that said you know, dave i want to make 10 million you know within two years and that's the sort of people that we like to talk to okay, <laughs> tell us how absolutely. we're going to do it you know so it's that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely well and that's it i mean you know you have to you have to take that um so you're taking the risk as much as uh the other party is and and you know the way that their business is going to progress online so you know it has to be a joint uh a joint partnership and that's the way i see it you know uh, but a partnership has to be the right partnership and not all partnerships are you know are going to work so you have to be the right people to work work with but you know as far as i can see and um you know knowing you pretty much since you started up and uh you know in and out i don't know anybody else that's a more proficient at e-commerce in the market i think you really are incredibly you know your stuff and you and your team have been doing this you know to the nth degree for for a long time now and you know like we said at the top of the show it's um it's a very disruptive model the way that you're doing it there's nobody else that i know that's doing this very performance related marketing um and management of a whole e-commerce operation and it, and it's great you know it's a really good you know it's a it's a really good model if you can make it work and you clearly have so well, you know, well done to you yeah. <laughs> great well it's been good good to do the fact as it was yeah absolutely no i know and um inviting you know, me on i enjoy ch- chatting and let's get a coffee soon eh? yeah we should do face to face yeah uh, you know get so we can actually be next to each other rather than doing this remotely you know we should do yeah. that 
All right, yeah. David. Well, look, okay. thank you very much for your time. Appreciate yeah. it. Bye. All right, thank you very much. Okay, so thanks everyone for joining us on the Disruption Works podcast. If you'd like to find any of the previous episodes or series, then just search Disruption Works Chit Chat on your favorite podcast platform. Next week, we'll be talking about chatbots, voice development and everything in between. So I hope you can join us then.